Okay, good morning from the, from the studios of Teeing Up in the Swamps of Jersey. This is Teeing Up Presents uh, Danny Flecka here. He hasn't been with us for a couple weeks. Uh, do you want to go away more? Because wild shit happens in college football when you're not around. <laughs> it wasn't my plan, but the college football season has been uh, an interesting one, to say the least. It's been, it's been fun, that's for sure. I was with a Bama fan yesterday who was relieved that they still control their own destiny. And that that's their saving grace, right? And if they roll through everything and then roll through the SEC champion, there's no way they're getting left out. Um, you saw that win. Um, you know, you were there for that win, obviously. Uh not there physically, but but you saw what Tennessee you you saw what Tennessee did to them. They obviously come back last night, beat Mississippi State thirty to six. Um, is there anything? Did this expose anything of Bama, or if anything, will this make Bama stronger? similar happened to Bama last year when they played Texas A&M and they lost that game in a weird shootout type of fashion and they were fine um, you know they went to the SEC championship game where they have a great performance there I think the thing with Bama is that every single game they suit up especially in conference on the road in a type of environment like you see in Knoxville you have to get up every single time you are in that type of environment. And not and Tennessee was ready to play. They did everything they could, though, also to throw that game away. I, I think if I'm Nick Saban, moving forward, when I'm playing a conference game on the road, I think I'm going to avoid trying to kick 50-yard field goal to try to win the game. <laughs> that is... The second time that has happened to them in the Nick Saban era, their field goal kicker has been spotty this year. I understand it's, it's worth a shot. You know, you have to take an opportunity to try to win the game. But if I were Alabama in that situation, understanding that the best possibility here is us making it, the worst possibility is that Tennessee gets the ball at the 45-yard line. And given the history of my, of my field goal kicker, I might have punted that ball. Let, uh, let Tennessee go the length of the field to try to win the game. If so, so be it. If not, then you go to overtime. So I think that's probably the one area that you can, like, pinpoint on Alabama is that some of these losses that they've had in conference play are because of a failed field goal attempt that have allowed – you know, miraculous return and or, you know, a short field for the team. So, I, I think overall Alabama should be okay. They're the best player in the country and Bryce Young, in my opinion. Uh, Gibbs is, is a problem. He's good. He reminds me of Alvin Kamara uh, in their backfield. So, I think Alabama will be fine as long as they don't trip up. Uh, you know, LSU looks to be gaining some steam. Maybe another tough game for them. You know, at LSU there. Although I still think they should be okay in that game. Ole Miss is looking a little bit less likely to, uh, to pose any problems to them. And, and Auburn is 
a shell of itself right now. So all they have to do is take care of business, and they should be right back there in the SEC championship game against uh, you know Tennessee or Georgia. You know, um, one of the things that I think is really interesting about the SEC is you get a team that flourishes. It was A&M during Johnny football years. Um, you know, you've got um, um, uh, um, Auburn that, that had that, you know, spurt. And Tennessee, I, I know somebody who, 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 who uh, sorry, who went there, who was devout to them. Um, and I was basically saying, you know, you still good? You still good, Brent? You, you know, yeah, everything's still good after that win? Um, is, it, is, is this a team that can run it back? Or is this a flourish for the volunteers and enjoy yourself, enjoy everything that that you are experiencing and that you are um, loving right now during this spot. But basically, you know, this is going to be your, you know, little bit of time. I think as a Tennessee fan and as a program, you have to understand that still nothing is guaranteed. You may have beaten Alabama, gotten that monkey off your shoulders. Great win, program-building win. You still have to beat Georgia, in Georgia, I believe. And then you have a potential rematch with Alabama in the SEC championship game. So there's still a lot to be accomplished here. From a team and from a coaching staff and from a player perspective, I haven't really done it before. So that would make me a little nervous if I'm a fan. It's understanding we've never been here before, or we haven't been here in a long, long, long time. How does the team react to the win? They had a, a good win yesterday, uh, but I guess a really bad opponent. So when you get back into SEC play, how does that look? How does the team look? How do you treat that game going into Georgia? Um, you know, it, there's still a lot left for Tennessee to accomplish here. So I, I think you have to be happy and very satisfied with the win you got against Alabama, but understand that there's there are landmines still in your schedule, and you got to be very aware of that. And any opportunity for for them to slip up needs to be avoided. So they, uh, they just got to keep going, going to that Georgia game with an opportunity to you know dethrone the Bulldogs, and then see what happens from there. But yeah, you know, they still got a couple hurdles left to clear here. Um, and I think that also. Aren't you a believer in the pro level that trap games are only what you make it out to see? It only trap games are real. It's just what you make out of them, isn't that? I I believe that's your belief. I I might be misrepresenting, but 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 basically, this concept is if 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 you if you play what if you play hard for sixty minutes. You being the the team, there can never be a, a trap game. Yeah, I, I do believe that trap games exist, especially when you're you're in a, a an environment where it's your rival or it's a, it's a game where maybe you have to, you know, 
defeat some demons back that you, you haven't been able to in the past. Um, so, I mean, I do believe that, especially in college. They're kids. They, you know, how do you learn to handle the success that you've had? Every time a, a team, you know, look at a team like Appalachian State. Everyone yeah. was singing their praises against Texas A&M. And, you know, maybe it's something like, take a step back. And it was not that good this year. And I get it. It was a great accomplishment what they did. But for them, the rest of the schedule now has been, been difficult because they they were so high up and they had to come back. So I do believe that they're a trap game, especially in college. And the pros, it's a little bit different. Uh, you know, I, I do think that at times in the pros, you can maybe understand that you can take your foot off the gas a little bit and, and maybe have a little bit easier of a time against an opponent and that opens up, you know, doors. But uh, I think in college, a little bit more prevalent just given the type of athlete and the, all the other things they've got going on in their lives that it's easy to maybe overlook. A, a team or a game and, and go in there and have at it a little bit expecting to win but you're not going to now also while you were away um, the Pac-12 decided to say goodnight via Utah so now are we looking at Georgia Ohio State Bama and I'm forgetting somebody for the playoff that what we're looking at? Georgia, Ohio State, Bama. Yeah, I, I think there are five, I think there are seven or eight teams that are going to be vying for the playoff this year. Um, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Tennessee, yeah, Michigan, Ohio State, and then in in the Big Twelve, you have an undefeated TCU right now that keeps winning, undefeated. If they go undefeated and they win their conference championship. They're going to have to be in that discussion. Um, and then out west, you know, you have uh, USC and, and Oregon, and potentially UCLA that could potentially be, be part of that too. So I, I still think there's a lot left to, to discover about these teams. Uh, I think that, you know, no one is guaranteed right now, just given the state of the way the landscape is playing out, and maybe some teams are not as good as we thought they might be. But... We still have another, what, six weeks left in the season to determine that. So I still think there's a lot of teams that are going to be left vying for that playoff spot. And I think it's going to come down to the last weekend, to be honest, because I think Ohio State, Michigan, you know, we could see two Big Ten teams get in there. Alabama, Georgia, if they're the ones facing off against each other, we could see two SEC teams in there. So, you know, we have to see if the Pac-12 and Big 12 cannibalizes itself a bit. In that perspective, and Clemson, you know, I just think weak schedule. I I just think weak schedule, and can you have un- and can you have an and a you know perfect resume Clemson team, and you just beat nobody to get there? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, if you're undefeated conference champion in uh, the ACC. And everybody else has a loss. You have to have them in there. I just don't see how you can keep them out. Yeah. Uh, the committee seems to change their rules every single year, but a one-loss champion—I mean, an undefeated champion for conference 
it's going to be really hard to like leave them out. And we've seen crazier things happen uh, with the college football playoff, but it'd be hard for me to see any team leapfrogging Clemson if Clemson's undefeated. It's hard for me to see Bama, Tennessee, if they win the SEC championship and beat them twice. Ohio State. But yeah, then then there's your question of, of who's the fourth and does somebody from the Big 12 get in there? All right, I've, I, I have to rack my brains more. Because, Danny, I'm still upset about Elijah Moore. You're a jet wide receiver. You win the damn game because of your running game being good. Why don't you just shut your mouth? I get it. You're upset. But, you know, Garrett Wilson didn't have many great plays. And there are going to be games where great receivers get nothing. Great receivers work as a decoy. You're somebody who, who loves all 22. You can probably rack out, uh, you know, rack off whatever the term is. You know, four or five, inst- four or five instances of great receivers being decoys. And Elijah Moore opens his mouth, makes a tray request, which is stupid, now sits on the couch, and Denzel Mims gets his um, chance. I, I just... This Jets team is so good, and nobody will listen. Nobody will stop doing Jet things. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that was interesting about the Elijah Moore thing is that he's represented by the same guy that represents Robbie Anderson. So uh, I think the coincidence there is not should not be overlooked at all. Uh, seeing what happened with Robbie Anderson last week, and then you have an agent that you know already trying to get tra- uh, one player traded, understands maybe where the market is, and just throwing that out there like, hey, like request a trade, let's see what happens. But I'm with you. I, I think at the end of the day, it's just the environment that we're in with these players. You know, especially when you're on your first contract, you need the opportunity to shine. You need the opportunity to be able to get that second contract. And if he doesn't feel like the Jets is, is, is the spot for him, you know, he, he has every right to, to complain about it. Right. It's just that, that for me, the, the timing and the circumstance, if this is on your bye week, if this is after a loss, if this is after, you know, you have five draw, not five drops, but you, you you were wide open and Zach missed you. But this is coming off of a really impressive win. Yeah, I think when I look at the bigger picture for the Jets is that you've got all these guys that are great young players and you've got to keep them happy. And I don't know if they have the, the system or the quarterback to do that. It's easy to make a running back look good in the system, you know, with running plays and screen plays, they're very low risk type of, of plays. But when you've got, you know, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, you got to find ways to utilize them. And I think the issue is more that you have a quarterback that still does not know how to utilize the plays properly to involve everybody in them. So I think that's a maturation process of Zach Wilson. 
is getting to that point where he can understand the leverages of the defenses, understand what's, what plays are being called, where his reach, how he should be reading the field. I still don't think he's there. And if Elijah Moore is, is getting plays called and he's not not the guy, then it's easy to see why he could complain about it. Danny Flecker with us on uh, teeing it up on this on this Sunday morning of the NFL week. What is this, week six? Seven? Seven. Of the National Football League season, October 23rd. Um, all right, speak to me. You don't think either your Giants or Jets are very good long-term. Why? I sorry, long-term in terms of playoff teams and productive playoff teams. Speak to me. Yeah, we've watched these teams for the last, you know, 10 years. The shoe drops eventually with them. I'm hoping it doesn't. It feels good to be in an environment where your teams are doing well and there's a lot to talk about and you're feeling positive about them. I just look at the way that the teams have won. You know, the Giants, for some reason, have been playing very, very well in the second half and have kept games within arm's reach. Uh, and have been able to capitalize on the mistakes of their opponents. You look at the Jets, they beat, they got a, a very fortunate win against Cleveland. That Pittsburgh game was a weird game. They were able to pull that one out. Miami game, you had, you know, Teddy Bridgewater concussed in the first play, then had a backup quarterback. And the Packers, who knows what's, what's going on with them. But special teams definitely helped the Jets out in that game. I think both teams this week are in very, very, very tricky spots. I think they're the better teams. I don't think they're getting the respect they should, but there's a reason why they are not, and it's because of what has happened with them in the past. Now, if both these teams go on the road today and win, I'll change my tune a little bit because the Jets will be at 5-2 and two and the Giants will be at 6-1, and one, and you, know, you, you put yourself in a good spot. But I do think both teams are still limited at the quarterback position. And at the end of the day, you need a top-tier quarterback to, to get you over that hump. So can they keep playing the way they've been playing with defense and special teams and being opportunistic? Absolutely. But eventually that's going to run out. And when they do play better teams, it, it's going to show. So you know, my hope is that they keep it going, but I, I just don't know if – what the way they've been playing is sustainable over an 18-game schedule and throw in there that they, both these teams still have a ton of their divisional games left. You know, the Jets have to play Buffalo twice and New England twice. The Giants have to play the Commanders twice, Dallas on, on Thanksgiving, in Dallas, and Philly twice. So there's still a lot of games on the schedule that worry me a bit about these. Can we please talk about how your Thanksgiving's gonna be? Because I'm I'm fascinated to get inside the head of of uh, Danny. How is his Thanksgiving going to look with a huge game for his franchise um, coming up? Christian, yeah, I, 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 um, uh, well, we'll touch on that towards Thanksgiving. Um, 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 unless you were to say something else, Danny. No, I'm good. 
No, my plan is to be sitting on the couch. Hopefully, they don't embarrass themselves. That's that's my plan. <laughs> the uh, Christian McCaffrey trade. Um, thoughts about the trade and the fact they landed in San Francisco alongside Jimmy G and some guy named uh, Debo who just runs around like crazy. Not surprised. Uh, Carolina lost season, had to shed some salary here. They need to start over again. They're, they've been a mess for the last couple of years. San Francisco has really mortgaged a lot of their future on two players. One who's not even playing right now. And one and the other who is very injury prone in a system yeah. that maybe you don't necessarily need to have him in. Now, does it make them a better team? Absolutely. Did they feel like this was a large piece for them to potentially get over the hump? Probably. That's why they gave up a ton of draft picks and and are gonna be utilizing him. But long term San Francisco is in a very interesting situation because Jimmy G is not your guy moving forward. Trey Lance is going to be coming off a bad injury. Your offensive line needs a little bit of replenishing. And you might be losing your defensive coordinator this offseason to a head coaching job. So they felt like this was a time for them to go all in. I, I, I respect that. But long term, we'll see how it plays out for them. We just got to hope that McCaffrey stays healthy for them. Otherwise... They're out. Brad pick next year, and, and who knows. But I, I do think he makes them a better team. Well, we got to see what the you know what, how the next couple of weeks play out because I, I do think San Francisco is a great roster. Their defense, when everybody's healthy, you know, last week was not a really great representation of that. But they're good, and if they need to take a little bit more pressure off Jimmy G, and they think McCaffrey does that, they had to make this trade, but. I don't know if the investment they made at a running back position is the one I would have made. I would have made, given that you know Kyle Shanahan has made nobody look good playing running back. How interested are you in the final round of this of the CJ Cup, where Rory McIlroy is a one shot lead and could become number one player in the world? Uh, very little interest. <laughs> for those listening for, for the first time that's an inside joke where I try to throw Danny something non-sport related um, at him um, just to kind of break up the flow um, anything else NFL wise pique your interest on this Sunday I think the San Francisco-Kansas City game is really, really intriguing today. Really looking forward to that game. You know, Kansas City's coming off a loss. San Francisco's coming off a loss. Both these teams kind of need this game early on here in the season. You know, we talked about the Jets and Giants. Can they keep going? How does Dak look coming back off his injury? Very similar to the one Russell Wilson had last year. Is he sharp? How does Dallas look? Um, in, a, in a very interesting game against Detroit, I, I think they should win. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how Dak looks. You know, can Baltimore get over the hump and not blow a fourth quarter lead? Because I think they're the better team today. So, very, very interesting game today. We'll see how it all shakes out. I know it doesn't look like it, but I think each game has a very unique storyline. And I'm sure we're all going to overreact come tomorrow morning. But 
uh, a lot of teams today that I think need to either commit who they are or start looking forward to next year. I've left less than a minute for the Yankees. Is that appropriate? Yeah, they stink. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, the first couple games, they were right there. Yeah. The strike zones in some of those games were atrocious, but it is what it is. You still got to go up there and, and get the job done. Last night, a terrible error by Bader in the outfield led to a two-run homer. That was pretty much the game. After that, they were chasing. The, the hitters look lost to play. They can't wrap. They can't get people on base. They can't get multiple hits in a row. They are just not doing the little things right now. And it, I, I know there are going to be a ton of questions in New York after they lose this series, unless there's a miracle out there somewhere. And, and who knows? I mean, they could make this a six-game series at least, maybe go back to Houston, you know, 3-2. But I don't, I don't know. They, they just have not looked good at all, especially offensively. You would need a, a DJ LeMayhew comeback, you know, like like that. You need a contact hitter, yet their contact has been right to people. Houston just this is the better team, period. And we yeah, strike out too much. Attendee, yeah, there haven't been a attendee in DJ yeah. exposes the top of the lineup, and then with that you expose the bottom because you're you're playing players that shouldn't be playing or you're shortening your lineup. So, I mean, it is what it is. They're hurt. They're not coming back. Yeah. Not going up to the state. So, it is what it is. But, you know, they, I still felt like in game one and game two, they had enough opportunities to maybe make those games flip, and they didn't. Yes, sir. Danny Flecka, always a pleasure to have him on Teeing It Up. Thank you, sir, for the, for the Sunday morning call. No worries, my man. Have a good rest of the day. You guys, same to your brother. I'm Danny Fucking. Enjoy your football Sunday, everybody.